appreciate the invite to come and to be here with you all this morning. Um, I was thinking as we were driving over, I've never been here before. I've been to several of our brethren churches that are kind of spread around the state, but I've not been uh, here. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to come and hang out with you today. Uh, gorgeous building that you have. And uh, it's interesting when you walk into a new church, you know, you start to learn a lot about who the people are and about what the church is about just by, you know, your first walk through the door. And I did not realize uh, until I saw the picture out in the lobby area that um, this is a snake handling church. I saw the picture of your worship service, um, and I didn't think we had any of those in our denomination, but uh, it'll be fun to report that we have one at least. So, <laughs> As Rob said, I work at our national office in Ashland, Ohio. I've had the opportunity to be connected to our national efforts actually for quite some time, uh, but most recently in the, the role that I served since uh, 2017. And I'll talk a little bit more uh, about that as I share more of our story. Uh, people tend to come into the Brethren Church, I think, one of three ways. You're either born in. Is anybody the Brethren Church? Okay, I see a couple hands. Yeah, those of you, you know, if you, from the minute you entered the earth, you were brethren, right? Your very first Sunday in a church was a brethren church, and all the ones in between have, have been brethren churches. You were born into the brethren church. A second way, though, is you marry in, and that was the path that I took. Uh, my wife and I, Lindsay, just celebrated our 22nd anniversary a week ago. I don't know where the time has gone, uh, but it has been an uh, exciting, wonderful time of uh, adventure. <laughs> might be the right word or the best word for it. Uh, Lizzie's grandfather, Fred Brandon, is a retired brother and elder, and uh, he's largely responsible for this moment here, here now. Uh, he retired from North Georgetown over uh, close to Ashland, Canton area. The uh, third way is you kind of just wander in, and maybe that's some of your guys' story. Uh, you didn't grow up brethren, you hadn't really heard about the brethren, and one day somehow you found yourself here, and, and that's kind of, you know, the rest is history, so to speak. And so, by and large, people come to the Brethren Church through one of those three ways. And working in Ashland, we get to interact and encounter all, all sorts of, of individuals that way. It's challenging when, when you go to any church because as the brethren, you learn very quickly we are all related somehow. So you've got to be careful what stories you share because inevitably somebody's either going to be at that church to confirm or deny the story that you're sharing. I do like when you share a story and people give you more information to the story afterwards, but every now and again uh, you can get yourself in trouble. So I, I try not to share too many brethren family stories because uh, you just never know who's out there. <laughs> so my role at the office, ministry operations, leader development, uh, all kidding aside, it, I really do get to have my hand in sort of all of the happenings of our denomination, which I just absolutely love. I get to I get to focus a little bit on church planting, a little bit on church health. I I walk alongside Stephen Cole, our executive director, and help him with with implementing vision. And uh, I work with our, our conference. A couple weeks ago now, we we had our 133rd general conference of the Brethren Church 
couple of you were there. I'm not sure. I met a few people from here. Yep, yep, okay, excellent. So we had a great time together, and uh, I get the opportunity to plan and uh, facilitate the team that does conference, and it's so much fun every year. I was a youth pastor for 13 years when I came into the denomination, and I'm so glad that uh, the Lord called me to to youth ministry when he did because I entered into the Brethren Church whatever the first Monday of 2000 was. I think it was a third, January the third possibly. So it's easy for me to remember how long I've been in this family. Um, I just count the years. But I knew that I was called to youth ministry. Uh, it was a very clear call when it, when it came. Uh, it was the late 90s. I was in Canton, Ohio on the campus of then Malone College. It's now Malone University. It's where my wife and I had met each other uh, early into our freshman year. Didn't go to college looking to meet anybody. Uh, really went to college just to get out of Van Wert, Ohio, where I was born and raised. And if any of you are familiar with Van Wert, I know it's not too far from here, uh, but there's no reason to be there. <laughs> Is this being recorded? Because we might want to edit that out. <laughs> so honestly, I went, I went to college because it was the thing that you did to get away from your hometown and, and try and kind of get a new start and a fresh start. And, you know, little did I know that that's what the Lord had planned for me in his grand plan of things. He, he had wanted me to go to Malone because it was there that I got my call into ministry. And honestly, I think by and large, people enter into youth ministry for one of two reasons. One, you have a very clear understanding that by serving in youth ministry, you can use that sort of as a, oh, I might say a stepping stone into other ministry opportunities. So it's a, it's a good place to cut your teeth in the world of ministry before you go on to maybe take a senior pastorate position or some other position in the church. Uh, or you've lost a bet and um, you have to serve your time in youth ministry that way. But I was very clearly called. I, I knew that it was why I was at Malone. Uh, I just, I knew it was the thing that God was, was going to have me do. And so uh, I spent the last three years of my college career shifting myself to, to be on that path and to be on that journey. And, and everything really just sort of fell together. Um, you know, when I felt the Lord calling me to that, I said to God, I said, okay, I'm, I'm in, I'll do this, this makes sense, uh, but I got to be able to graduate in four years, Lord. Like, I don't want to have to extend my time, uh, I need to be able to do that. And through some summer school and some extra course loads, I was able to do that, graduate in four years. And it was weird when we graduated that summer of 99 because... We, we weren't yet married. We were going to be married that August. And uh, our plan, our vision, kind of our, our roadmap to the future uh, had us going wherever my wife was going to go on to school as a psychology major. And we were thinking it would be Wheaton College there in Illinois. And, uh, and my attitude at the time was, well, you know, we'll, we'll follow her plans uh, because... I can get a youth pastor gig anywhere. Um, you know, that's, that's not hard, right? And then God said, well, that's not exactly the plan. And through some, uh, some 
visits to Wheaton, some interviews with the college, and, and honestly, through a big heart change uh, within my wife and myself, we, we found that that wasn't the plan, but instead the plan was, let's go to where the Lord's calling me to do ministry. So we got married that summer, and uh, after, after we were married, we had no jobs. We had nowhere to live. We, we spent a month living in the youth pastor's house that I uh, was interning with. Not at all a good idea. Like, if I could give any marital advice, don't live in somebody else's house the first month you're married, unless it's your parents, maybe. It was, it was a roof. I, I guess I'll say that. It was not awesome. <laughs> but it's what we did. And uh, we, were, we were job hunting, and all of a sudden, what I thought was easy, like youth pastor jobs just fall from the heavens, was proving to be very difficult. I was interviewing and interviewing and, and was being told thanks but no thanks, and I just was like, Lord, what are you, what are you doing? And uh, he didn't really answer. He's just like, just keep doing your thing. And so the, the long and short of it is, is we finally decided to, to be adults, or at least what we thought 22-year-old adults were at the time, and we moved back home to where my wife was from, from in Bryan, Ohio. And, we put a down payment on a deposit, and we got real-world jobs. Uh, I was cooking. Lindsay was working at Walmart, and we just started our life. And we said, you know what? Maybe next year, next summer, we'll, we'll pursue this again. Maybe we, we didn't hear God quite right. A couple months go by, and I get a phone call from a guy whom I've never heard of, uh, from a place that I've never heard of, um, a town that... Uh, was somewhere in Indiana, and, and they described the town as an Amish country, and I had to go and figure out who the Amish were, because uh, I had never heard of that before, and I thought, why is this church in, in Napani, Napanee, Indiana, why is this church calling me to come out and be their youth pastor? I'm putting that on hold. I'll do that next year, and eventually we met for lunch, and so they already knew my love language. They took me out to lunch and said, just talk to us. We'll buy you pizza. All right. We're young, you know, newly married. We don't have any food at home. This is a great idea. So we go and we meet with Ken Hun and Roy Andrews, some names you might recognize uh, in the larger brethren family. We met there, and, and uh, they ultimately talked to us and kind of helped soften my heart to explore looking at or interviewing being their youth pastor. So we did that. And for some reason, they hired us. They had never had a full-time youth pastor before at the church. They'd had a couple individuals kind of come and spend, you know, do some part-time work and just kind of keep things going, but they had never really taken that leap forward to to hire a full-time youth pastor. And again, this was a thing that I knew that I was called to, but I had no idea really what it meant to, you know, to start a real job, a real career, and to step into this role of a youth pastor in a small town of about 5,000 people in the middle of Amish country, kind of tucked between Fort Wayne, Indiana, and Notre Dame South Bend. So we packed up everything we owned. It fit in the smallest U-Haul possible, and we drove to Napanee, Indiana to start our life together, and that was 2000, which at the time I thought nothing of it, but my, our parents, well, 
my parents, I don't know so much about yours, but my parents were freaking out because if you remember, it was Y2K and the world was going to end and why are we moving, you know? And, and okay, if you're going to move, fine, but do you have enough toilet paper? And I'm like, don't worry, you own it all, Mom. I know where to find some if I need any. So we loaded up, we moved to, we moved to Napanee, and, and the night of Y2K, that New Year's Eve, we made a big pot of spaghetti because I figured, you know, we at least will have spaghetti to eat tomorrow when all the electricity's out. So silly. I should have known then, back some 22 years ago, that the journey God was calling us on wasn't just for that moment, but he was going to continue to prove himself to be consistent all through our lives. And, and I, I, I have a couple scriptures that I want to read for you because I didn't know it at the time, but I've since learned it, that uh, when scripture talks about the peace of the Lord, it's, it's very unique. You know, we, we use that word peace. We have a lot of different definitions and different understandings of, of what that means. But in scripture, we, we see it very specifically Romans 15:13 says so may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit I'd read that before but now I live that I understand that much better 1 Corinthians 14 says for God is not a God of disorder but of peace as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. And then one that maybe a lot of us are familiar with, Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. And through our story, that has very much been true. The God of peace, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so today, what I, what I want to encourage you to listen for and what I hope you hear is that through our story of what God has done in our lives there's this thread of peace that links all these moments together and has helped us take the next step to the next step and to the next step and so as I said it's the it's the beginning of the new millennium we're in Napanee Indiana which I honestly I thought at the time moving to Amish country right now is great because they know how to do without electricity we should be fine so I, I really wasn't too worried, but we moved and we settled in. And again, I'm brand new to the Brethren Church. I had married in. I didn't know a whole lot about who we were as a people and what we were, were about. But I tell you, that very first communion experience, if you've had an opportunity to participate in a Brethren Threefold Communion, uh, you know what a moment that is, how special a time that is. I'm I'm here amongst people who I don't know at all, and all of a sudden they're washing my feet. That's pretty intimate. Uh, that's a special moment. Uh, I'm sharing a meal together with these people, and I don't know how you do it here, but at Napanee it was always a, a buttered roll with a slice of roast beef, some olives and pickle and cheese thrown in there somewhere. So. That was our threefold communion meal. Now I did feel a little bit cheated when they called it a meal and it wasn't quite a full-blown meal, but I come to understand uh, later that, that that's how we, how we did it there. And, and then, of course, taking of the bread and the cup and just this intimate moment. And in that first communion, uh, we came in January. That was celebrated in March, and I was, I was hooked. I was in. I'm like, Lord, whatever you're calling me to, 
in this thing called Brethren. I'm about it. Uh, I felt very much at home there. And so we journeyed through youth ministry, Lindsay and I together. And uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we, we, you know, we did all the silly youth ministry stuff that you do. We did the lock-ins. We did the retreats. We spent time up in Camp Shipshawana, the, the Brethren Church Camp there in Indiana. And uh, we, we had a good time. Early on, after having been there a couple years, my boss at the time, Ken Hun, decides he's got his sights set on Ashland, and he, he resigns, and he goes to Ashland to serve as our executive director for a time. And uh, so that, that was interesting, because he had brought me in, and then uh, a little bit later in the story, he rehired me again, and I'll share that in a moment, but continued to serve there at the church, and... Uh, I think we did well. I think we were doing doing real well. Uh, again, I was confident in the call. I believed that I was gifted with skills and abilities uh, to do the job, and and we had you know junior hires and senior hires, and it was it was a really good time uh, of doing that. There was a thing though during that time of early on in our ministry. Uh, it was just Lindsay and I. Uh, we hadn't had any kids yet, and uh, a bit of church hospitality, kind of a pro tip for church hospitality, don't, don't ask your pastor when they plan on having kids. Like we had a couple, a couple dear ladies that really were concerned with us because we hadn't had any kids yet, and it had been a couple of years. And then it had been five years and seven years, and they just kind of kept asking, I'm like, is everything okay? I'm like, believe me, it's, <laughs> you'll know when we know everything's fine. You don't have to worry. Thanks for your concern. This is weird. Stop asking. <laughs> we just knew that we wanted to wait, and I'm so glad we did. Uh, seven years in, 2007, uh, we were pregnant with our daughter, Lily. She's uh, 14 now, going to be a freshman in high school this year. I have no idea where the last 14 years has went. Uh, it, it literally has been a blur, but I do know that uh, I made such a better dad at age 30 than at age 22. So I'm really glad that we waited. And we, we felt like it was okay. You know, we felt like we were doing the thing that we were supposed to be doing. In those first seven years of ministry, we poured 100% into that ministry, which was great because when, when Lily came into the picture, we were established. We were connected to what we were doing, and it didn't make any kind of radical alterations to, to our life and to our ministry. Uh, it, we just kind of kept trucking along for the most part. Fast forward 13 years, I've been serving at the church 13 years, and I woke up one morning, it was a Tuesday morning, and I'll never forget it, I woke up, turned the alarm off, swung my feet out the bed, my feet hit the floor, and I literally heard an audible voice to me, you're done. And I knew God had called me out of youth ministry. And I didn't freak out, I didn't panic, but I was a little bit uh, inquisitive because I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm good with that. And I had had some inclination that maybe that was coming. The Lord had been working and stirring in my heart for a time, but nothing was really clear. And so we just kept pushing forward and doing our thing. And when I heard that, that voice, you're done, my only thought was, 
So what's next? Because oftentimes when you're a pastor at a church, uh, before you resign, you, you have lined something else up. Usually in most jobs you do that, right? Before you resign the job, you have something else waiting two weeks later or a month later in the wings. You know what your next step is, and, and you move on to that. But I had none of that. Um, but I knew I was done. And so as clearly as God had called me into ministry, he had called me out. And I remember that day, uh, I had a lunch with some of my fellow youth pastors, and so we, we went to that lunch, and before we did, I had drafted up my resignation letter, and uh, I had it in my pocket with me, and then we got back from that lunch to the church, I grabbed uh, our senior pastor, my boss, Tom Schieffer, some of you may know him, I grabbed Tom, and uh, I said, hey, I need to talk to you, and he goes, I know, <laughs> looking around like, who said something? And so I, I grabbed the, the piece of paper, and he goes, I know what this is. You're resigning. And I'm like, how did, you, how did you know? He's like, I just knew in my spirit. And I'm like, oh, okay, so the Lord's been talking to you too. There are no secrets here. So we talked through that, and he, he, he agreed. He, he encouraged me. He's like, yeah, this is a good time. And I, kept, I remember saying to him, I'm like, but I don't know what's next. I don't know what we're going to go do the next from here. Because uh, oftentimes in ministry, too, not only when you're a pastor do you have a, have a next steps lined up, it usually involves leaving the community that you're in and going off to another community. But we didn't feel called out in Napanee, which is weird. Like, Lord, what are you planning for us to do here if it's not to, to minister here? Well, a couple years prior to coming to this realization that the Lord had called us out of ministry, my wife and I had kind of found ourselves meeting on Monday nights with a home group of people. Um, friend, it started off as friends getting together, doing some Bible study, reading a book, talking through the book, uh, sharing some food together. I mean, I'm brethren after all, like we don't do anything without food. So we're sharing food together. Our kid, we have kids similar age, and they're hanging out and playing together in the other room. And this little Monday night gathering was starting to become a little bit more than just a gathering. It was starting to become a kind of a life group for us, a, a life. And these were people who, who listened to us and understood us and, and helped us sort of suss out what the Lord might be doing in our lives. And so... We had that, at least, and we thought, well, we can keep leaning into this opportunity, if nothing else. And so, turned in my two months' notice, I resigned. Uh, April the 7th, 2013 was my last day as pastor at Napanee First Brethren Church, and uh, they were gracious to us. They, you know, they helped to take care of us in that time. So I had a little bit of time to find some employment of, of what was to come next. Uh, at this point in time, Ken Hun, who, remember, he had hired me at Napanee, was still executive director at the Brethren Church, and he had hired me in on a real part-time part basis uh, to be director of leadership development at the denomination. Um, so I had a little bit of income, but not like pay the bills type of, of income. And I remember all of April just sort of asking the Lord, like, what's up? What are you doing? What are we supposed to be doing? 
then may lord seriously what's up what's going on what are we supposed to be doing we have bills we you know we don't have a savings as much as we have bills like what's happening here lord and and it was weird in this time of uncertainty in some ways really in this time of chaos there was still that peace that scripture talks about this sense of don't worry i got you everything's right where i want it to be keep trusting keep walking out in faith keep leaning into me and for some reason somehow i got it in my head that maybe if I could get a job at our local coffee shop, that plus the work that I was doing at the national office would be enough to help cover things and help to carry things. Lindsay was working at her library at the time, so we weren't you know, completely strapped, but we had to be smart about what was happening. And so I went up to the coffee shop, which I was very familiar with as a pastor, tried to spend a lot of time there. Uh, it was in, in a town like Napanee, it was our only option if you went in coffee. Uh, besides your own home and so I was very familiar I knew the owners and I went up and I you know just kind of applied hey you know could you use me I'm, I'm in need of a job and they very politely said no we don't really have anything um, so but thanks for asking should something come up I'll, I'll let you know and I went home a little dejected but really more with the sense of like no I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to have a job here so I went back, tried it again, was told no again with kind of the, no, honestly, we're, we're kind of serious. There's nothing here for you. Thanks for coming in all the time and patroning, patronizing the place, but uh, no, there's, there's really nothing here. And so I went home, and now at this point, I'm really having conversation with the Lord of like, okay, this makes no sense. This is not the way you do things. You don't quit a job without a job lined up. You don't kind of risk dangling your family out there and into some sort of financial peril lord what's your plan what do you what do you have going on here and again it was there's something for you at the coffee shop so i went up the third time and this time i talked to the uh the owner's wife and i said look her name's deb i said deb i just need to tell you a story let me tell you a story and then we'll talk so i told her the story of where we've been to that point and what we felt the Lord was doing. And these, were, these are good Christian people. And I think it was really hearing that story that helped them to basically go, you know, maybe there is something here. Maybe we could connect with you. And so they hired me, not knowing to do what. So for a while, I swept floors. And uh, they were smart. They didn't want me out with the customers. Um, so they ended up putting, why is that funny? <laughs> they ended up putting me in the back with the roasting. And so I was able to, uh, in that time, I spent about uh, two years there, I was able to learn how to roast coffee, which was a lot of fun for me because I love, love, love coffee. And knowing how the science behind it, uh, it's a lot of fun. So I roasted coffee, packaged coffee, delivered coffee. I had a good time at this job and I was, so I was, Again, making money, things seemed to kind of make sense. Life settled back down a little bit, and uh, things were good. We were spending a little bit more time in our Monday night group, and that was kind of growing and developing and becoming more and more, uh, really more and more a, a church plant. 
uh, if you will, kind of a house church uh, opportunity. And, and we were connecting with people who, uh, by and large, were sort of burnt out on the traditional church through various different experiences, but still had a sense and a love for Jesus and still wanted to follow Jesus. And so we were kind of pulling in some of these fringe people, and it was, it was uh, exciting. It was, it was something that was very life-giving. Uh, we were connecting with our communities and connecting uh, to our neighbors, and um, the Lord was definitely up to something in that time. And so very much we felt like while we had stopped this thing at, at the church in Napanee, we were still very much being the church in, in Napanee. After a couple of years, things at the coffee shop started to wind down. There weren't as many hours, and uh, I thought, well, I, I need to look for something else. There's just not an opportunity here again. Still doing the role at the national office with leader development, and uh, I, I was comfortable doing that. I knew that that was a thing that the Lord was calling me to do, and so as I'm looking at job opportunities, I thought, well, Lord, I still need to be able to do that. There's still a responsibility there, so I need some flexibility but I live in Napanee. Like, if you're not working in a trailer factory and you're not farming, I don't really know what there is to do. And lo and behold, across the street from the coffee shop, the butcher shop post a help wanted sign, and I thought, sure, I like meat. Uh, butcher shop is perfect. So I walked across the street. I talked to the guy. Again, I told him my story. Uh, he also happened to be a Christian man, Christian business owner told him my story, and he's like, well, sure, I'll take you on. So I quit the coffee shop. They were gracious. They understood. They sent me home with a couple bags of coffee, and uh, I now start my role at the butcher shop, learning how to butcher, how to butcher meat. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I think what, what I was doing is I was learning skills that are going to serve me very well in the zombie apocalypse someday. <laughs> Coffee will be currency. I'm convinced of that. We all love it way too much. So I've got that part covered. And if I can butcher meat, we can eat and we'll be good. So uh, I did that for a time. Had a lot of fun doing that. Um, had a lot of fun bringing home, you know, steaks for the grill and different things. It was a good job. It was a fun job. Uh, but much like the coffee shop, it started to trickle off in, in terms of hours. And again, I needed to provide for my family and felt like I needed to be able to offer a certain thing. And, and so here we were kind of again in this moment that we were in just a couple years ago of going, Lord, what, what are you doing? What are you trying to teach us? And I know I'm not doing it anywhere near the justice is deserved in, in retelling the story. In, in some of those moments, we were desperate for answers. I mean, we really felt like we were at the end of our rope, like, Lord, if you don't show up in a physical, tangible, tactile way, like, I don't know what we're going to do. And I remember one, one story in particular. For some reason, I forget exactly why, what it was, but we had an unexpected bill, uh, $500. I remember that much. We had a $500 bill, and, you know, when you line up the budget, which Lindsay does a great job tracking our budget, making sure, you know, all the dollars are going to the right places and, and whatnot. Like, there was not $500. There was not $450. There was $0 excess to put towards this bill. But 
but here it was and it was one of those situations like lord this is this is where we need you and i wish i could say that i was joking here but literally that same night we get a knock on our door seven o'clock at night two of our friends from our monday night gathering show up on our doorstep and they said hey we just happened to be in the neighborhood we were out taking a walk and uh, we just felt impressed to stop by and give you this and they they hand us an envelope instantly i knew what's in this envelope there's some money in this envelope and they stayed just a couple minutes. They're like, ah, we, you know, they gave us the story of how they had been saving it up. And they just, you know, for a situation where they felt like the Lord said to, to do this with it. And I learned a long time ago when somebody hands you an envelope, you just th thank them and you take it and, you know, you smile and, and are gracious about it. What I didn't know until they left is there's exactly $500 cash in that envelope. So I, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, good, there's, you know, 100 bucks or something. Right? It's going to help. And I, already before we knew, I'm like, Lord, thank you. This is so helpful. I appreciate you coming through. But I had no idea that he would come through so specifically. And he did those sorts of things to us. All kind of throughout this time of, of journeying and wandering. And in all these moments where we feel like we've ridden up the mountain and now we are just rocketing down toward the bottom, in the midst of some of the chaos and the crazy that was this adventure, this journey that we were on, God's peace was just thick across it all. And, and somewhere in the midst of all of that, I think we kind of clued into that was his sign to us. Where God's peace was, there his presence was with us. And we were, we were able to risk a little bit more than we would have otherwise. We were able to step out just a little bit more in faith than we maybe would have otherwise. And it, it almost became kind of funny to us how it was just like, you know, we're in the midst of a situation, life is crazy, and we would literally just say to one another, it's okay, God's peace is around the corner, and then, you know, a day, two, a week later, sure enough, there it was. We could count on it, which Scripture talks about that, God and his faithfulness and being the same today, tomorrow, for always. So, life at the butcher shop is slowing down. I'm looking at okay, so what's next? And at this point, we had been in Napanee uh, almost five years, about four years at this point, past having resigned at the church. Still not totally feeling released, although my wife was starting to, starting to feel a sense that the work that we were called to Napanee to do was done. I wasn't quite there yet. But we ended up getting there, um, about the fall of 2016, started having conversations with my now new boss at the national office, Stephen Cole. Ken Hunt had resigned. Stephen had been voted in as the new executive director. And I didn't know Stephen from anybody. Although if you've ever met Stephen, he's the kind of guy that once you've met him, it's like you've known him for life. Uh, the man is from Texas, and he somehow has a sixth sense if you have any connection to Texas at all. He will find you. He will zoom in on that. And so Stephen is one of those guys that just makes you feel like you've, you've known him your whole life and you're connected to him. And so 
Working for him, even though I was still at distance, was very comfortable, very easy. And uh, he calls me one day and he says, you know, I, I, I need to tweak some things about your job. And in order to do that, I need you to move to Ashland. Are you willing to move to Ashland? And honestly, a year before, the answer would have been no. We didn't feel released yet from Napanee. But at that point, we were. We knew that we're like, yeah, this, this, this makes sense. Um, there were still a lot of pieces about that, though, that we weren't sure about. Lily was going to be starting middle school that fall. And uh, so we thought, well, she's going to transition schools. Maybe this is a good time to transition. Uh, and I will say, you handled the move like a champ, even though you probably didn't like it as much as, as uh, you might have let on. But she handled it well. She made that transition. We loaded up all of our stuff. And we headed off for Ashland, Ohio. True to form, we knew we had a date to move. We had like two weeks to try and find somewhere to live. And there was no houses at all <laughs> on the market in Ashland. And I'm like, of course there isn't. So what are we going to do, Lord? Because I am the person that when we moved into our little 700 square foot in Napanee way back at the start of 2000, I declared emphatically, the next time I move will be at the hands of the coroner. I hate moving. I just don't like it. And now here we are in the largest Penske truck that you can buy and drive without a CDL, heading off to Ashland with all of our possessions, moving again. I hate moving. And we've got a couple weeks to find somewhere to live. And I thought, I'm not going to move into an apartment to just turn around in a month or two later to try and move into a house. This is crazy. And I'm certainly not living in Stephen's basement like we need to find a house. And through connections uh, with a friend of a friend of a friend, we ended up finding a house that wasn't even on the market yet. It was, uh, it was the house of a realtor that worked with our realtor. We took one look at it, and we're like, this is our home. This is where we're supposed to be. Yes, we'll take it. And we got a house. And it was, again, just one of those things of in this crazy time of moving, you know, to the next state over, um, trying to get everything settled in before school starts back up in the fall for, for Lily, uh, Lindsay not having a job yet, moving to a, a new town, uh, all this uncertainty at least her house came through. And shortly after that, Lindsay got a job at the university. And so a job came through. And, and Lily got connected in at the middle school and, and got settled in fairly well. And so all these things that just a month ago were chaotic, God's peace was just walking us through them, getting us to the point where we could sort of catch our breath again and, and, and relax a little bit. And so for now, three years, we've, we've been in Ashland. Uh, Ashland, in many respects, sort of just feels very comfortable, very normal. Uh, I don't know if that's because both my wife and I were born and raised in Ohio, and Ashland's just another small Ohio town. Uh, I, I don't know uh, what it might be, but here we find ourselves again. Lily's, like I said, going to be starting high school that is starting to scare me. So about the time we, we get a little comfortable in where we are with the Lord, something changes and things start to kind of ramp up again. I very much believe that 
nothing in our life is, is by accident. And so the house that we got, I'm all the time, Lord, why are we here? What is it about this, this house, this neighborhood, these neighbors that you have us here for? Don't have any answers to that yet necessarily, um, but I believe they'll come in, in time. You know, Lord, why at the national office? Why is this the role that you've given to me? Because I very much feel like I'm in my sweet spot. You know, somehow went from goofy youth pastor to uh, operations, ministry operations manager and, and working with churches and working with church planners. Like, it doesn't, the two don't seem to connect, and yet here I am, and this is the opportunity that I have. And so every time we kind of start to get a little bit comfortable, a little bit relaxed, you know, something new comes along. And honestly, 20 years ago, that would have freaked us out. But anymore, we almost anticipate it. We look for it. And there have been some times uh, where I've even asked for it in prayer, like, okay, God, it's been a little relaxed and boring lately. What, what's, what's, what's next? Which then my brain kicks in and it's like, what are you doing? Stop. <laughs> like, don't go asking the Lord for, more, for, for, for you know, chaos and, and, and challenge to come your way. But I will tell you, I've never felt more close to the Lord in those times of, of greatest distress because his peace was right there with us. It just doesn't make sense in our human brains. But in God's economy of things, it makes all the sense in the world. And so I guess my challenge to you today Seek God's peace. Seek God's peace in your life, which realizing may be one of the most crazy places you've ever found yourself. Seeking God's peace for your life today might mean stepping into uh, an area that you at one point said, I will never go over there, or I will never deal with that person. Seeking the Lord's peace may having you do a thing that you never would have ever thought you could do or should do or wanted to do, and yet here you are volunteering to do it. Whether you're the oldest person here today or the youngest person here today, we all have this opportunity. Asking the Lord where he would want you to, to be, to serve, to connect, to go, and then risking enough to go and to do it, even though on paper it makes no sense, even though your friends or your family maybe look at you and, and with very concerned faces and say, you're crazy. This is not a good idea. Have you considered the cost? Have you thought about this? What about all these things? And it's easy to put roadblocks up in front of the Lord, but it's easier for the Lord to take and remove those roadblocks if we let him. So this morning, to close, I'd love to pray for you. The worship team can come back up and... Uh, We'll continue on in our service this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for these people and this opportunity to come and to share my story, which, Lord, I know is your story, your story of your goodness and your faithfulness and how you've worked in our lives. And I pray that it's been uh, a challenge and it's been an encouragement to somebody here today, Father, that we would consider where you are calling us to go, that we would consider that your peace is greater than the obstacles or the roadblocks or the things that we would try and put uh, up against you so that we could avoid going or avoid doing. 
Lord, just put something on our hearts this morning of what you would have us do to follow after you. And I, I thank you that you are not done writing stories in my life or in any of our lives here today, Father, but you're continuing to write your story through each and every one of us. Lord, we give you praise. We give you thanks for who you are and all that you do. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.